Welcome to the Talent Pool Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan, founder and CEO of Kaplan Partners, a retained executive search and board advisory firm headquartered in Philadelphia. My very special guest today is Rebecca Romero Rainey, president and CEO of the Independent Community Bankers of America, ICBA, as it's affectionately known, is a national trade association representing thousands of community banks around the country. And before taking the helm of ICBA five years ago, Rebecca herself was a banker and CEO of a community bank started by her family over 50 years ago. I've known Rebecca through the industry for a number of years, and I am delighted to welcome you, Rebecca. Well, thank you so much for having me, Alan. It's great to be here today. So let's dive right into the talent pool. Your family started a community bank in New Mexico, I believe in 1969? Correct. Why did your clan start the bank? And did you feel compelled to go into the family business or did you really not have a choice in the matter? So the story in the bank uh, was my grandfather that started the bank. He was born and raised in Taos, New Mexico, which is where the bank is. He had gone away to school, served the country in Navy Merchant Marines, went away, got a law degree, and then decided to come back home. And his dream was to do whatever he could to help the local community. But, you know, despite the fact that he had this great education, had done so much to serve the country, he didn't have any capital in his name. And so he went to the bank in town looking for a loan of $50, if you can believe it, to just get his business started and start a law practice. And he was denied. And then and there, he decided that someday he would start a bank that would be focused on serving the local community. And it took him several years. Um, because as I told you, he had no capital to his name, but he got together a group of over 300 folks that had a shared desire or dream to, to retain capital in the local community. And on March 1st, 1969, the doors of Sentinel Bank of Taos opened for the first time. And it really is, I think, an incredible story of determination, of creativity, of passion, and uh, fighting for what you believe in. And those things, I think, were very much ingrained in me in an early age in running a family business. So my dad took over from my grandfather um, in the early 80s. And so I grew up living the life of a family business and community banking. Not only was my dad the president, my mom was the HR director. And so you can just imagine what dinner table conversations were like. And, you know, the kids did whatever we needed to, to get uh, the jobs done. And so it was not a foregone conclusion that I would come back and uh, run the bank. And it's one of the things that in a family business, I admire and respect my parents for so dearly is that this was something that would be an opportunity for me if it was something I wanted wanted to do and if it was a fit. And I really think that that is so key in, in family business, in, in making sure that this is something the next generation wants to do and has a passion for. And that is really what was groomed in me. So after I graduated from college, I always thought I would stay in the city. I went to Wellesley College outside of Boston, thought I would stay put there because I loved it. And after exploring and getting a couple other offers, it really sort of hit me one day that I've got this amazing opportunity to go back to my hometown and make a difference. And these other jobs, while they would have been fun and, you know, a great opportunity to live a fun life in the city, the ability to see the impact of what I was doing day in and day out uh, was an incredible draw to me. So I thought, oh, I'll go back and try it for a couple of years. And 
20 years later, I moved to DC for this job. So uh, needless to say, it is something that uh, was an incredible fit for me. And, and I just loved every day of. When your grandfather was turned down for that loan in 1969, was there some bias in that or just because it was a startup business or what, what did they tell him when they turned him down or they just turned him down? I think all of us have some assumptions about, you know, what may have been driving it. And for him, you know, really, he, he was denied. He was told no. And that's, that's what he heard. And, and that was for him, the spark that was like, no, you know, it, it may not be a great credit decision, but I want to know what I can do to get to the point of the banker saying yes. And I think that's one of the best things that we as community bankers do. You can't make every credit but you can help folks build credit. You can help them come up with a plan and figure out how to ultimately get to the point of getting that loan. And it's that engagement that my grandfather didn't have the opportunity for. And that's what he was really trying to solve for. Somebody that would work with him to help him grow his business. Did your grandfather ever practice law or did he just go right into bank? No, he was, his career was actually as, as a practicing attorney and he is 97 years old today and he would still tell you he's a practicing attorney. So <laughs> the, the banking thing was sort of the side gig. <laughs> so you mentioned a minute ago, 20 years later, you took this job at ICBA, which when I read that announcement, and as you may recall, we had been loosely acquainted when you were chairman of the association as a banker and gone through all the leadership roles there. I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised because I felt there was some messaging from the association saying, we're serious about our future. So we've actually put another banker in charge. She's a woman, about time for change, and she's younger. So we're, she's going to be in that job a long time. Well, why did you decide to take the job, uproot your family from New Mexico to DC? What made you decide to make that crazy move? It was crazy. I mean, going from the land of enchantment to what folks call the swamp. I mean, come on. There, there's a <laughs> no. It was this. This was a significant decision, um, not just for me, for my family, for our daughters, who at the time when we were moved were fourteen and nine. Uh, it was a significant decision for the bank. I wanted to make sure that there was a solid group of folks that wanted to stay and ensure that that family legacy and that local institution continued on for future generations. So there was a lot to figure out. But at the end of the day, what it was for me, you know, and in, in some cases, it, this might sound a little silly, it's, it's felt like a bit of a calling uh, for me to have this opportunity to advocate for, to support, to help envision the future for this industry of which is so near and dear to me that I believe is the lifeline of economies across the United States. And to do whatever I could do to help lead this team and inspire and motivate the next generation to step up to the plate and get engaged, I was all in. And as hard as it was, to this day, I am so grateful and, and humbled to have the honor to, to think about really leading the charge for the future of this industry. Well, your authenticity around what you said comes through to everybody. And I think that's very powerful for you and for the association. But it's also really different running a bank that had less than 100 employees. I don't remember the exact number. So not only running an organization with several hundred employees, but different states. So what have you learned about leadership and that evolution along the way? 
Oh my goodness. I've, I've always, I mean, I've, I've called my entire career. It's, you know, a, a talk about a journey and life lessons each and every day, you know, it's, and it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I took over as president of the bank at a very, very young age. I took this job on having never run a trade association before, much less one that is so large, so complex with multiple subsidiaries. But there were several things that I've always held near and dear that um, have been the guiding principles, uh, just like running the bank and being a leader is is knowing first and foremost I don't have all the answers and I don't have to. I must have an incredible team around me. I must trust and engage them in this process. And it's it's what's why I've done my entire life. The other thing that's been really interesting and actually something I, I didn't um, realize coming into this job is community banking is all about relationship development. And that really is what I do in this job, whether it's what I'm doing on the Hill as a lobbyist and developing relationships and being a great listener to understanding what is this party trying to accomplish and how can I take my needs and my desires and find a win-win for what we're trying to do and not give up on the passion. Let that be the driver for what we're doing and ask a lot of questions along the way. And so it really is, it's been remarkable to me actually how similar it is despite the the different sizes of the organization. At the end of the day, it's about taking care of the folks that you serve. And you know, as a membership-based organization, that's what we do day in and day out and take those needs and then translate them in such a way that uh, we, we get the wins that we need with the agencies and on the Hill. Well, your personal story is very compelling and clearly uh, you've been an impact player from day one in the industry and obviously in those who are regulating the industry. So uh, I know everybody really is grateful for you and, and what you've done in that role. Thank you. You've been listening to the Talent Pool podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan from Kaplan Partners. If you'd like to hear more from our guests or listen to our other podcasts or learn more about our firm, visit kaplanpartners.com. Thank you for joining us. 